0: Good morning, everyone. I'll be reading this morning from the Gospel of Luke. Across two chapters, starting in chapter 17 and moving into chapter 18, and you may like to follow along with me on your own device or in your Bible or read it on the screen. Starting chapter 17 at verse 20 and moving into chapter 18. Verse 20. Once, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with careful observation, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. Men will tell you, there he is, or here he is, Do not go running off after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by his generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man." People were eating, drinking and marrying and being given in marriage up to the day when Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the roof of his house with his goods inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in bed, And one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together and one will be taken and the other one left. Where, Lord? they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures gather. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, So that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I have
1: a question for you. Do you like surprises? Thank you, Julie. I like surprises. I like good surprises. It was my birthday Thursday, and I got surprised with a cold drip coffee maker. It was lovely. Um, Good surprise. That was fantastic. I remember my 21st was a surprise. Had no idea. Clueless. Ignorant the whole day. Natasha running around that something was happening and then she said, let's go out, get dressed up. Oh, where are we going? And there was a big surprise party at my parents' house. What about um, the surprises that catch you out? Ever been at work and your boss comes in and says, hey, by the way, 10 minutes, client's coming, get ready. Or you got the report due in 10 minutes and you've just forgotten about it and it's a surprise because you didn't realize today was the day. Or the traffic on the way to work. It's a surprise. Or the results from your doctor, or maybe your teenager coming home saying, I don't no longer believe in Jesus. Or, it's Valentine's Day, did anyone get surprised? Did you surprise anyone? Are you waiting for them to uh, respond to your surprise? Jess and Jimmy are going, no, we didn't, no flowers, Jimmy? Oh, no. You know, Natasha, she's not here today. She loves surprises on one condition. Do you know what that is? You have to tell me what it is beforehand. And you know, it sounds funny, but in our passage today, Jesus is a little bit like my wife in this regard. Don't take that the wrong way. Jesus doesn't want us to be surprised. Jesus doesn't want any of us to be caught out about when he's coming back, you see? The big idea, and we'll kick this around today, see if there's any merit to this from our Bible reading, is this. Jesus will return when largely unexpected. He'll return largely unexpected. He'll bring judgment when he does. So, therefore, in light of all that, let's persevere as the people of God, let's pray for and until that day arrives. That's the claim. is that what the Bible's teaching in this passage? Can we support that? But really, it's interesting. The two key themes, judgment and prayer, are what we're going to look around today. And you'll see that in chapter 17, there's the judgment theme, and chapter 18's the eight to, uh, 1 to 8 sorry, is the prayer theme. And Jesus is saying, let's pray in light of His return. Let's pray... In light of the judgment to come, and that God will indeed vindicate his people on that day. But that's a very heavy thing. I mean, judgment on a Sunday morning on Valentine's Day, it's not what you, I guess, you expect to come into church today. So I get that. It's a troubling thing. And we often think, maybe you've thought this, maybe you know someone that does, think the problem with Christianity. The problem with religion today is that God is going to judge, that God is angry, that God is wrathful, and that the world would be a better place if we just had a God of love because that's why God's so primitive today and dangerous, isn't it? He's wrathful, he's going to judge. Interesting, Rob Bell, if you've ever heard of him, was a pastor in the early 2000s, and he's denied lots of key doctrines of the church. Um, He's no longer a pastor. But he once wrote a book, ironically called Love Wins... He said this, what kind of God would need to save us from himself and how could that possibly be good news? Rob struggled with judgment, wrath in God, preferring only a God of love and nothing else. R.C. Sproul was a very famous uh, Christian pastor and and theologian and he he recently uh, passed away, but someone asked him once, what do you struggle with most? What's the one thing about Christianity that you find the very hardest? Do you know what he said? Hell. You know, And this is a tricky part of the Bible to work through. So I'm just going to put it out there right now that I have struggled this week making heads and tails of what this says. Not because it's actually tricky. You just run into this cultural problem of is God really going to judge? Is there really a... It's not something we talk about lots I've struggled with, maybe you struggle with that too. Well then, but the good news, like I said, is that Jesus actually doesn't want us to be surprised. He doesn't want us to get caught out. How not to get caught out? After all, Jesus talked more about hell than heaven. You know why it's so hard today as well, I've realised? Is Golden Grove, our lives are pretty affluent and well-off, aren't they? We live in a world with terrible things that happen. But actually we have a government that tries to mitigate lots of that. We have societies and we have groups of people that try really hard to minimise suffering on all levels and we live in an affluent part of the world where suffering is often pushed aside, not thought about or it's minimised by different support structures we have. And you might be thinking, you know, hell and judgement, haven't we moved on from that? But the trouble is the Bible hasn't moved on from it. You know, Hebrews nine twenty seven says people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Just consider, uh, African-American theologian Rufus Barrow, he says that you need a God who is holy love, a God who will hold humankind accountable to evil. He says if you're an oppressed minority in a society, you can't just settle for a God who's love and not just either. Or Croatian theologian Miros Volf, wonderful man of God, uh, wrote after the Balkan, Balkans War, he wrote about crying out to God for justice, of a God who will hold evildoers accountable. When you consider it that way, maybe judgment's a really good thing. Maybe part of God being loving is actually judging evil. After all, isn't anger how goodness responds to evil? In the words of J.I. Packer, the character of God is the guarantee that all wrongs will be righted someday. That when the day of God's wrath arrives, retribution will be exact. No problems of cosmic unfairness will remain to haunt us. God is a judge. Justice will be done. My point in setting this up is that God's justice makes total sense in a world filled with evil. And sometimes we don't think the world is evil as it is because we have so much around us to stop us thinking about that. So don't be caught out on that day, though, when God will judge. Because you don't need to be, either. That's the amazing grace of God and the good news of Jesus in this passage. He's telling us, guys, you don't have to be caught out on judgment day. The good news, when we think about this, has to push us to the cross. When Jesus' faced all the wrath of God, the judgment of God for my sin, He faced that and went through that for me. So I can now say, I have the love and favor of Jesus. And don't give up, either. Jesus knows that it's going to be a long, slow slog of life sometimes. You're going to long for vindication, for things to be right, for His return. But He's faithful, and you can trust Him. So let's pray with that end in mind. And I I hope that today, as we walk through this, each one of us will just be a little more confident and pray a little bit more in light of what we learn. And maybe, for you, this whole idea of judgment is something new to explore and think, what does it mean that God is judged but also loving? How does that work? Now let's let's grab some coffee afterwards and talk through that as well. So, how do we get not caught out? Three things to talk through from our passage today. Let's walk through them. How not to get caught out? Firstly, Jesus wants us to know what time it is. Jesus wants us to know what time it is. In his life so far, in his, 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 when he's been talking to the Pharisees, they have figured out by now that the kingdom of God is wrapped up in Jesus. They know that he has a part to play in its arrival. It's just not happening the way they thought it would would be, right? I mean, the promise to Abraham hadn't um, been fulfilled yet that they could see. The messianic king from David's line coming. It wasn't quite what they expected. Not only that... The prophets, they spoke of this day of the Lord. This is a day of wrath and judgment from God. Isaiah 13, 9 Revelation 14. It, say it's a cruel day with wrath, wrath and fierce anger. Revelation 14 is perhaps the most horrific example of this, when God's wrath is so severe that blood flows for 288 kilometers down the road. Huge stuff. But flip it, it's also a day of liberation and defeating evil and God's people spared. And they're looking for this and they're saying, when is it coming? What's going to happen? And they look at Jesus who says, the kingdom of God is in your midst because of me. And they go, I don't see it. They struggle with it, with God's promise. When will God's promise be realised? And maybe we have that struggle sometimes too. God, I know your promise is here, we're living here, it's going to be realized then, it just doesn't feel like it's worth it. And you have questions of God as well, I'm sure, and so the Pharisees do, they ask Jesus. And listen to what he says in response. See, in verse 20, when is the kingdom of God going to come? Jesus says, the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or... There it is. Should I look for a big sign? No. The kingdom of God's actually right here in your midst, guys. For the Pharisees, adjust your view. You won't find it in this big cosmic display of God because God is breaking through already in this earth at this moment in time, he says. He explains it's not flashy because. It's here right now. Look in your midst. It starts small like a mustard seed. It grows. It's in Jesus. The kingdom of God is here, not in fancy signs, but in the person of Jesus Christ himself. And that faith in him is necessary to come into the kingdom of God. He says at the very start of Mark's gospel, chapter 1, verse 15, the time has come, the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news. What time is it? kingdom of God's here. Jesus invites us to join him. And he leaves the Pharisees with his very short answer. He says, what are you going to do about it? It's in your midst. So? And the question for us today is the same. The kingdom of God is here in Jesus, in our midst. What are we going to do about it? He's surprising. He's the suffering Messiah King. He's the Savior. It's not going to happen the way we expect it will. What are you going to do about it? The claim that Jesus is king, that it's here in him, that he's coming back one day. What does that mean for you? But but it's interesting, because it's not that the future is not important, is it? After all, Jesus doesn't stop there. We have a whole lot of other verses to get through. He says now, in verse 22, and really interesting, he turns to his disciples. He says, then he said to the disciples. As in, what the Pharisees need to know about the timing of the kingdom is what are you going to do about it? Are you in the kingdom? Are you on the right side of history when judgment's coming? It's in him. But for the disciples, he turns to them now and he says, You do need to know what's going to happen in the future. The future is important because it shapes the present, right? So, team, how do you not get caught out? Here's the next thing know what's going to happen later. They need to know how to live in the kingdom while waiting for the not yet. And Jesus introduces to us a new phrase called days of the Son of Man. And there's five of them. You can see on the screen where they are. And it just refers to Jesus coming again. And that's and a great way to break the passage up. So we're just going to walk through actually those five of them uh, in just a moment. But it's the most common way Jesus speaks about his big picture task and future. When you hear the Son of Man, days of the Son of Man, think, oh, Jesus is giving us a picture of what's to come and how he's involved in that. And he wants his listeners to grapple with the kingdom of God and how he is central to it. And so he says, the days of the Son of Man. And he says to them, the first thing that's going to happen is going to be a surprise. You're not going to expect it. In verse 22 onwards, he says, you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man. You won't see it. What's he saying? Expect a delay. It's not instant when Jesus comes back, life will get harder until then. Suffering and discontent with life. Are you going to feel like life isn't what it should be? And that's a bit surprising. He also says expect distractions, because some will come and say, Jesus is here, Jesus is there. This is something you should think about or, or focus on. And he says, eh, don't worry about that. Give him a guarantee. You're not going to miss it, guys. It happened this week to me. Um, expecting a parcel... I wasn't home, and you get that wonderful little bit of paper in your letterbox saying, we tried to deliver the package, but you weren't here. And then you spend 20 minutes trying to work out how to get the passage back, parcel back, only to realise that I did it wrong, and I didn't tick the sign on delivery option again, and so now it's not coming till late next week. You know, I thought, that's that's not how it's going to be when Jesus comes back. We're not going to miss it. He's not going to send his calling card and say, sorry, Julie, you were sleeping in and You've missed me. Maybe John, no, not John. Look at verse 24, he says, for the Son of Man in his day will be like lightning. You're not going to miss it. It's going to be sudden, it's going to be unexpected, but you won't miss it, team, don't worry. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to suffer before it happens. Did you know that? I'm going to suffer a suffering saviour is not as an expected saviour either. It's a surprise. The whole thing is a surprise. So delay, distractions, if that's what's going to be like when before Jesus comes, when he returns. The question is, is everything going to get worse? Is our world going to spiral down out of control and then suddenly at the very bottom Jesus comes to lift everything back up? This is his next point. It's going to be a day of judgment. But Far from life getting worse, you know life's going to go on as normal, like it always has. People will do normal things. Trajectory isn't, it's going to get worse and we're going to spiral down into hell before things get better. There's much to commend about where we are as a society, much that's horrible. You know, it's always been like that, though. And so Jesus wants us to realize that. He gives us a case study of two people in the Old Testament, Lot and Noah, when a big day of judgment happened very visibly, yet he tells us some really important information. He says, referring back, so we have a frame of reference, um, people were eating and drinking, marrying, being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And it was the same with Sodom, right? People were eating and drinking, buying, selling, planting, building, The economy's strong. People are making a life for themselves. You've got a job. You've got a home. You're dating someone. You get married. You have kids. You grow up. You spend the rest of your retirement on the beach collecting seashells. You know, life is good. Things are happy. This is your. I've made myself. This is a, an upper middle class life. It's just going along well. I've had some ups and downs, but you know, I can't really complain. Life's been good. I've got some money in the bank. My soup is okay because I took it out and put it in gold bullion, so everything's fine, don't worry. Living as if life's going to last forever. But, what does Jesus say? Then the flood came and destroyed them all. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. The point is that people were oblivious to God's agenda. And today, seeing a broken world is no sign of the end anymore than seeing a prosperous, content world because he says in 1721, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. The point is that Jesus is preparing us for the what, not the when. Don't get caught up in the wrong things. Good, prosperous life, living for now, having good things, they look nice. As we see, they can't give us life though. Because a good life isn't going to save us from judgment. Ignoring Jesus won't make it go away. Only the Son of Man can rescue us from that. And so now he's talked about the past. Frame of reference, here's what it was like. Jesus changes it in verse 30 and says, just as it was like that, so it will be like this. This is the surprising part. You've already seen it though. And this is where Jesus talks now about on that day, there'll be a division. On that day, there's a distinction between people, 31 to 35. Two people are in bed. Two people are working in the kitchen. Two people are in the office. Two people are sitting at church. Two people are riding a bike. And he says, on that day, one of them's taken, one of them's left. It's this picture of the secret police coming, and you've heard the knock on your door, It's an army that's invading and you've had no notice and they're coming over the hill. It's urgency, it's hurrying, it's one's taken, the other's left. There's no time to go back downstairs and get your bag. You can't get your things. Escape, run to avoid the punishment. You don't want to be taken on this day, you want to be left behind. In Noah's day, taken from the earth was taken by the flood. In Lot's day, they were taken by the fire and sulfur and destruction. Those left behind were the ones righteous. They were the remnant of God. Jesus' point is don't go back because he says, remember Lot's wife. What happened to Lot's wife, you might ask? She was halfway out the city and thought, wait a minute. What if my life's back there? It doesn't look like anything bad's going to happen. What if I want the city life now, and she turned around, and she didn't make it. 2019, a Russian aeroplane made an emergency landing 10 minutes after takeoff. 73 people on board burst into flames at the end of the runway, and 41 people tragically lost their lives. It's a tragedy, but do you know why this story is so tragic? It wasn't because of the flames. Experts said that if all 73 people left the aeroplane without going back for their bags, no one would have died. They went back to get their laptop and their jacket and their suitcase and 41 people died. Don't go back, Jesus says. On that day, the pointy part is Jesus' coming is when your life is going to be exposed Those that are taken, they're not the Christian ones. The Christians are left. The righteous remnant always remains. Noah and Lot weren't taken. They remained on the earth. If you're playing along at home and the point I'm making here, maybe you've picked it up, is it's probably not about the rapture here, but it is about judgment. Judgment in the Old Testament, New Testament, often about being taken away from God's presence, his goodness. You can't obviously get away from God's lordship, omnipresent lordship over everything. But you can either have him as a judge or father. Which one will it be? Because Jesus makes the point, doesn't he? Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will preserve it. Don't go back. Your life is not in those things. Don't be surprised. Find your life by giving it up. Find it in Him. Find it in the Son of Man who suffered, who was judged by the Father for you on the cross so you can have Him on that day as your Savior. You can breathe now. we finished chapter 17. It's heavy. And Jesus knows this. So then He tells a story, and it's so good. It's so wonderful because He says, Team, I know that's really hard. And he starts off with the word then. Chapter 18, then. So bridging the gap. Judgment's coming. Get on the right side. But actually, in light of that, let's pray. Let's not give up. And he tells a story of a widow. But why should we not give up? Well, we long for justice in God's world, in a world that isn't fair, and we pray specifically in light of Jesus' return, prayer that's speckled with the not yet of the justice of God, because that gives us confidence in our God and in where things are going, and the point of the widow and the judge is that even, even people, evil, evil people can make good decisions for bad reasons, but God will always make the right judgment for the best reason, upholding his glory. So a judge who's a law to himself, not bothered by his reputation, does not care a thing about his Facebook posts and comments and how many five-star ratings he gets on Google or anything, he does not care at all, no concern for justice, never does pro bono work, no compassion, yet he's really good at what he does, like, as in super good because he's a judge, And a widow needs help. She has no husband anymore. She has no prospects, no family, no friends, nothing. I need help and only the, the judge can actually render justice to me. So she goes to the judge and cries out and says, Judge, give me justice. And he says, No! You're annoying. Go away. And the next day she comes knocking on his door. Give me justice. No! You're frustrating me you're not worth anything, I'm not going to get paid for it, I'm not going to do it, and day after day she comes back over and over again to this judge. But this bothering drives him bananas, constant bothering wears him down and finally, Wednesday morning at nine o'clock, whenever it is, he gives in because he's had enough. And just think, how many of us can relate to that? You know, parents you've finally given to your kids because they're nagging about something or you're telling your kid to tidy your room or it's the annoying pop-up on your computer it just does not go away so you give in to it or the moment when you you give in to something because you you have to not because you want to You give in to make your life better and easier, to stop the pain and the frustration that someone else is doing. You're not giving in because you love the person. You give in to your kids nagging, not because you love them, but because you want them to stop bothering you. I know I'm guilty of that. It'll be better if it stops. And then Jesus says, hear that judge. Hear this story. It's only a short one. The point is, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? Notice how the widow is... Is tiring to the judge. But the contrast is Jesus says, You're his chosen one? Those who cry out to him, Dan, will he keep putting them off? As in, if you're like the widow and God's like that judge, will God keep putting it off? And the answer is, No, he won't, because yes, God will vindicate his people. God's judgment is not like this unrighteous, self absorbed judge. And verse 18, 8, the quickly part, he doesn't need to be nagged. You don't need to nag God. And this is where the last Son of Man comes in. He says, However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? It ties into what we've seen in verse chapter 17 as well. As in, would the delay affect your trust in the coming of the King? Will you be found living in great hope and great expectation? and trust in this king? Will that delay cause distractions? Will it cause you to find your life in the city of Sodom? or Will you be distracted by that? So, let's track what's happened so far and we'll wrap it up. The disciples will long for the return of the Son of Man, but it won't happen. Not yet, and you're not going to miss it, don't worry. It'll be like lightning across the whole sky. And the days into two of them will be filled with normal things, hard things, sure, but normal, everyday things. But don't forget that judgment's coming. But don't worry either. Take a long range view on it. God's got his ear to you, God is tuned in to hear you, constantly streaming his love and his hope and his grace. You are cherished. He is the good judge. And so pray to this one, knowing he will hear and give justice. Which means two things as we wrap up. Let's persevere. Maybe you're distracted with life right now, and and for good reason. Days of Noah, days of Sodom, Lot's wife, they're right for us to see as examples. Good life on offer now, the affluent afterpay life without thinking about the future. Our life is not found there. And the tragedy is we turn those good things into our life. Jim Carrey once said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. You know, don't get so caught up in the pleasure of your daily life that you fail to follow Jesus with your whole heart. In verse 33, he says, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, whoever loses their life will preserve it. Interesting, I said Hebrews nine twenty-seven at the start. Well, here's what verse 28 says. Verse 27, people are destined to die once, then to face judgment. Here's 28. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, And He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for Him. The point is that we make sense of today by knowing where everything's going to. So persevere with that end in mind. And then, would you pray with that end in mind too? Pray for His return? Be confident that our Father will give justice as His cherished ones? Because the good news is God doesn't have to be your judge. He can be your father. You can be his cherished one, praying to him. And the certainty of Jesus coming back is why prayer is so wonderful. It's stronger than you imagine. We pray to a God who has got the end in his hands. When we pray, we no longer just pray, Dear Lord, thank you for Mary, amen. We pray, Dear Lord, thank you for Mary because you're coming back. And give us boldness to declare your word to the people of this world who are lost and burnt out and busy, who say they're okay, but they're dying inside because they're distracted by things and stuff and there is a judgment coming. And and Lord, we don't want them to be on the other side of that. We want them to be left in your presence forever. And thank you for Mary. Amen. Praying in light of what's to come. We have this captured in one of Paul's prayers. Uh, I didn't put it on the screen, but there you go. 1 Corinthians 1, at the very start. He says, God will keep you firm to the end, so that you'll be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus will return to judge, and so we look to His goodness and mercy. Not to face His judgment, but the hope of this wonderful blessing of belonging, But we also stand here sober, realising that he will judge. So the question is, over coffee, how does Jesus' return encourage you today? Maybe you want to ask someone over coffee and morning tea, hey, Jesus is coming back. How does that encourage you? How can I pray for you with that in mind? How How about your family who don't know him? How can we pray for them and going until the end because i know life sometimes a bit hard and tricky but god's got it he's got you you're his chosen one so how not to get caught out don't be surprised jesus doesn't want you to be be like my wife i only like surprises when i know when they're going to come and that's like jesus is saying here let's pray our great god you you redeem us and You rescue us so that we can be brought into Your kingdom and it's all wrapped up in the Son of Man, Jesus Himself. And we know, Lord, for certainty that You're coming back. That's a really good thing. And Father, sometimes I know I'm guilty of not thinking of that. I'm too preoccupied with my life here and all the good things and, and Lord, that's tragic. And so, Lord, in, in my own heart and our hearts here, set us a long-range view of where things are going So we have confidence to keep going because your grace will preserve and keep us. Help us to pray with that end in mind. In your name, we pray these things. Amen.